Hey, hey, hey. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to Sonic Inducers. Presented by Adrev. Episode 3. We, we're here. We did it. Here we go. And uh, so we've basically figured out that our podcast can be broken down. It's, it's going to be, you know, three segments for now. We're going to keep this simple, stupid. We're going to say <laughs> hi, catch up. How's everybody doing? What, what have we been up to? We're going to talk about the, the business aspect of each episode and then end on the fun, you know, what what music means to us, uh, how it, uh, it applies in today's um, music portion. I think it'll be fun. I it's thought all about fun. it a lot. It is all fun. Um, but you, <laughs> you are going to be the brains behind most of this episode today. Are you talking to me? Oh, my God. I must be keep, talking to you. You're the only one else here. Keep it simple. Uh, but just to, to make sure everybody knows, my name's Jesse. I'm here with Nick, as Nick. always. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna lay some knowledge on you, or maybe just some opinions, insight about what's going on in the music world, what's going on in our world. Speaking of, uh, you got back from a vacation. Just got back. Well to, needed. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I'd say the uh, the roughest part was I didn't get to see you as much. Oh come on. <laughs> you texted um, me plenty while you were there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, no, it was nice. Some nice, a nice time off uh, spent with the family, and and um, as many of us on on breaks, looking at the emails pretty frequently, which yeah, isn't always the best. Yeah, it's hard to get away from. I mean, I do the same thing. I just I start to panic. I'm one of those people where if I see the number in my inbox go up or I see a lot of red notifications on my phone, I, I, I freak out. That's the first thing I do when I wake up is check my phone and see. Sometimes it's like Christmas. It's like, oh, look, an old friend from college sent me a friend request. But then the rest of it is, oh my God, how many emails did I get overnight? <laughs> yeah, right. So it's a blessing and a curse. I've been meaning to ask you this. I don't sure. know why I didn't ask you before. So you got your second COVID vaccine. I did. It was a couple of days ago. Um, How do you feel? I, I haven't asked you if you got like, you know, symptoms, if you got sick or anything. Well, I was expecting to because everyone that I know had it were knocked out for a day or two, but I got it and I was telling a friend, a coworker of ours, I was just getting a headache, a dull mm -hmm. pain, you know, you get the pain in the arm, but- I mentioned to a friend, a coworker that is expecting a child. I said, you'll get used to this because I just felt a dull headache and that I was in a fog pretty much for 24 hours. And, and she thought it was funny. So that's, that's what having a kid is like, is what you're saying? Kind of on 24, of maybe 23 and a half hours out of the day. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't get knocked out because I, I got my first Pfizer yesterday. Um, you know, I, I, I walked out of there and for the whole day, I'm like, well, no pain. My arm doesn't hurt. This is great. Nothing. So like an idiot, I decided to do an upper body workout yesterday. Of course, right? And then I, I wake up this morning and not only, only am I sore from that, but it hurts, you know, not it's just tender at <laughs> the injection injection site easy for me to say uh but i just i woke up just feeling not achy from being sick but because i was just trying to be he-man over here mm -hmm. uh but yeah i'm 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 due in three weeks for the second one and i 
I'm so nervous I'm gonna get like the nausea or the chills. Uh, nobody likes being sick, but I have this really um, irrational fear of throwing up. So even if I just feel nauseous or if someone around me starts to feel nauseous, I start to panic. Oh yeah. You're one of those. I'm one of those. You're one of those that uh, you see somebody else and you're like, wait a second. I wasn't feeling sick, but now I'm getting a little queasy. I see it. I smell it. Or even just the thought of it. I'll do, (laughs) I'll get the, uh, you know when you your mouth starts to salivate before you yeah, throw up? Sure. And then I, I start this to sweat. This is the best topic right now. This is I know, good stuff. This is great. Um anyway, it, you know, it's it'll be worth if I'm if I'm down and out for a day or two, it's totally worth it because I'll be one step closer to feeling like I have a normal life, visit friends and family and Well, here's the thing. I was talking to a friend that has been vaccinated for a while and she still wears her mask. And I was yeah. talking to my wife and I said, what are we going to do? I think you got to kind of keep wearing your mask because without it, nobody knows you've been vaccinated. So you're not wearing it. And when I see people that aren't wearing their masks, I said, I, I, I don't immediately think, oh, they've been ma- vaccinated. It's simple. Right. I think on the other side, I think, they don't want to wear their masks because they don't believe any of this stuff. Sure. Something like I, that. I, I, I'm, the, I'm in the same boat. I did read an article in the New York Times yesterday because now a lot of people are getting vaccinated. The rule is if you're outside with social distancing, don't really need your mask on. Um, sure. And it, thank God it said, you know, if you go out to walk your dog, don't really need a mask on. But if you see someone coming, keep it handy, which is kind of what I've been doing now. Um, the other rule is, if everyone's been vaccinated and you're inside, fine. If you're inside and you're not sure if people have been vaccinated, wear your mask. I, it's one of those things where we might be wearing these things for a while. Who knows? I think I have to wait be. for someone to tell us not to. Um, but, uh, you know, it's funny. The timing of this is once I get uh, vaccinated and ready to mingle, I'm actually in the process of buying a, a, a home in joshua tree in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. so all right i'm vaccinated see ya, i'm gonna go isolate myself in the desert it, it's it, it's like it's a tiny home it's really small it's basically a cabin um but as i've talked in previous episodes i really like going out there and i figure you know what if i'm going out there every other month and spending x amount of dollars on an airbnb i might as well own a place yeah right. so it's a tiny little place it's it's cute as all get out it's very rustic, but it's going to be a, a, a studio. It's cozy, and just a getaway. Yeah, it's a get. It's cozy, but you know, five acres. It's it's huge. Five acres is not a small piece of dirt. That's a lot. It's not, but when the house is three hundred fifty square feet, you know, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this little pimple <laughs> on this huge lot of land, but it, it'll it'll be good. I'm really excited. I just I've owned a house before, and holy crap, man the stuff that comes with it. Sure. Like oh, every yeah. day there's something new to worry about or to check in on. And oh, sure. so I, I only have like a few pieces left to finalize. Um, but it's it just, it's, it's almost like a full-time job. Oh yeah, man. Call. You got a hole in the roof. You got, a, you and, got a cracked foundation right. or sure. Luckily nothing that serious, but um, I found this guy out there uh, because I do stay out there a lot. I've, stayed at some places multiple times. So you kind of, you know, you email with these, these hosts of the, the property. And so I just started reaching out 
to them asking for recommendations on, you know, an inspector or, you know, hey, do you know a plumber? Mm-hmm. And luckily, <laughs> one of them gave me their next door neighbor's contact info. He's this dude who does everything. So he is a he, true handyman. He's he literally is going to do all the fixes for me. Um, really great guy. And it's also nice. You feel like, you know, somebody out there now. So I have yeah. this little, and, and his house is only like five minutes from where mine is. So it's that's getting good. better and better. I know. I'm it very excited. Painting I, your house just, is going to re-shingle in your roof. Yep. I wonder if yep. he was a lawn too. I mean, there is no oh. lawn. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's all dirt, dirt and rocks. <laughs> so that's exciting. So yeah, I'll, uh, it'll be, it, you know, it's already 90 degrees out there. Oh I checked gosh. the weather, you know, so it's, it's already going to be hot, which I kind of like, but I'll be able to get out there in some peace and quiet, record some music. Hang How out. quiet is it there? It's like, we, I've, I've been to Joshua tree maybe two times. Each time has been fantastic, but it's quiet. quiet, right? It is quiet. It depends on where you stay. You know, some of these places, um, you know, that your neighbor is, <laughs> They're not right next to you, but they might be a couple acres away. But sound travels very easily through the desert. No kidding. Because there's there's no trees. There's no there's, no there's nothing for it to absorb the sound. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, even if you're – my neighbors are kind of close. But, I again, it's hard to know if anyone even lives in these things. So, you know, a lot of these places are the result of, I think, the Homestead Act, where if you went out to the middle of the desert and put up – four walls you own that land so that's why you see these old rundown shacks out there because they were just some person putting up a house quote-unquote you know i I claim this land in the name of frank you know or whatever so that's kind of awesome well how old is your place that it was built in 1956 nice yeah so it's been remodeled so anyway, that'll be a fun ongoing project for me. <laughs> uh, as anyone who owns a home knows how that goes. But to get to to uh, another topic, when we were discussing this episode, you brought up a new thing going on uh, with catalogs and um, especially a lot of legacy writers and artists selling their their music, which is kind of surprising at times, especially with you know, these artists who might be a little bit more protective of their work than, than maybe someone more contemporary would be. Yeah. It's uh, really- and I wanted to pick your brain just to, you know, why, why would somebody do that? What are the benefits? What, uh, what are the, might be the cons of that? Well, um, it's, it's why is it trending? Like, it's been like a mixed bag and it's, it's, it still to this day, it's part of me is it's puzzling, but um, the benefits obviously are the huge um, payouts that these mm-hmm. legacy artists and and writers are getting. It's it's the writers really, but for years, you know, with my background in in publishing and just my understanding of publishing, for years it's been you own a song for the life of the song. You never get rid of it, and and it's something that's kind of handed down. Through your, through the generations of, of, I mean, it doesn't last forever, obviously, but it's never been something. Selling the rights to a song, yeah, you can change administrators. You go from one administrating publisher to another, but actually selling the rights to a song, um, it never, 
it didn't happen for a really long time, but now we have this huge influx and it's super fascinating, I find, because you see these catalogs that perhaps were valued at a certain number five years ago, and now it's five times that right now. And it's a lot, it's, it's a lot to think about because you've got the Bob Dylans and you've got the mm-hmm. Paul Simons and you've got the Neil Youngs and you've got other legacy artists that are saying, Oh shoot. Yeah. I'll sell, I'll, I'll give up my, my catalog. I'll sell it for X number, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and it's a really interesting, exciting time, I think. But also puzzling too, because uh, I feel like the roots of of publishing and owning copyrights is you've got it for life. You've got it for the life right. of the copyright. That's that's the way it goes. But now with catalogs being sold for so much, um, and I think there's a number of different reasons why these are happening, or a number of different possibilities, but. It, it seems like every day a new catalog is getting picked up and whether it's who knows who started it, you know, whether it was companies like hypnosis, whether it was previous companies that, that sparked the interest and the growth of these investment companies that are piling together, you know, money to to purchase these catalogs because catalogs come up for renewal all the time and it's just to know who's got the rights or or they're under administration deals that they can leave their publishers at any time so i don't know i just i i I think about it all the time just to maybe ask a, a a morbid but also very serious question you know these legacy writers and artists who are are selling their catalogs I mean, who doesn't like money, right? I mean, come on. Sure. I get that point of it. But is it one of those things maybe where, hey, I'm not going to be around that much longer and who knows what will happen to my music once I'm gone. It could be as simple as that. So, let me just, you know, secure some finances. um, Cash in my chips. Yeah. And the other question I have is, are they just not making enough money on the royalties right now, you know? Um, I think that could be a huge element like, as well. Because radio's different. You know, nobody's really, I mean, I still do listen to terrestrial radio, but, you know, everything's streaming now. And I, I guarantee the streaming revenue, I mean, maybe, I, I'm not going to guarantee it because I don't know. Depends on the artist. But I would feel like streaming revenue probably doesn't pay as much as what the radio, you know, old school radio royalties would probably pay. You don't know, know. you know, uh, performance revenue is huge depending on the catalog and that Mm -hmm. covers performing rights covers a a wide array of, of, uh, of areas, but Hey, guess what? For the past year, touring has been down and not to say that some of these artists uh, and writers were touring at the time, but I think a lot of, a lot of, singer songwriters and composers are feeling the pinch from the past year and looking at what assets do I have that I can sell. Right. And the catalog is, is the first to come in, but, but on the flip side, you've got writers like Diane Warren who, Mm -hmm. you know, wrote every single hit in the two thousands, in my view, 
who has come forward and said, I will never sell my catalog ever, ever. Now, you know, time will tell, but right. Didn't Bob Dylan say the same thing? <laughs> I'm sure he said it at one time. I mean, he, right. Bob Dylan is probably the best songwriter of our generation. I mean, it, it's, it, it knocked me flat finding out that he sold his catalog, but mm-hmm. I think his, uh, I don't know exactly the quote, but he was very much kind of, what's the word aloof about it maybe well yeah he's got his hand in the you know doesn't he do like sculptures out of his garage now yes he's a uh, iron worker i think yeah yeah, his focus is so just on a different art form um and you know again you can only be a touring musician for so long i mean that's the grind it takes on your body your voice um so back in the day just a side note i tried my hand at stand-up comedy and I'm, I, I had a good Bob Dylan joke that I, I'd like to share with you. Um, it, it was, I don't know, I don't like 2010, 11, 12. He had released a new album and I heard some of the reviews uh, weren't that great. So <laughs> my joke was, have you heard the new Bob Dylan album? It's basically just him clearing his throat for 45 minutes. <clears throat> you know. Anyway, my point being is, you know, even artists that I, that are more like, quote unquote, my generation, like the mm-hmm. grunge bands or the, the the rock and roll bands, like Eddie Vedder's voice is completely different yeah, from what yeah. it was in yeah. the 90s. Because think about it, you're touring for probably a three quarters of the year, if not more. You're yeah. playing a three hour show every night. And some of those songs are really taxing on the voice. They, so you, take you a find cold. a different way yeah. to, to survive that three hour show, but it also, you know, will really scratch you up on your vocal cords. But he also, you know, I think he smokes American spirits. He drinks like a bottle or two of wine <laughs> a night on stage. I mean, it sounds great, but sure. you know, the human body can only do so much and can only he is a, so much. a fickle, a fickle beast. So I, I would see it from, if a legacy, you know, if like, you know what? I'm sick of touring. I'm sick of just, I'm doing, I just want to do carpentry. I just want to take it easy. You know, I'm just, just going to, you know, sit on my front porch and watch the sunset every night or whatever. I get it. Um, I think right yeah. now is the, is the high time of, for the value of, of catalogs. Everybody's mm-hmm. jumping on the bandwagon. And I actually have a friend who owns a, pretty lucrative catalog that called me and said, Nick, you know, we're thinking about selling the catalog. What do you think? And this was, Mm -hmm. I want to say maybe five months ago. And I said, just pump the brakes for a second, Mm -hmm. you know, just pump the brakes. And I sent him a couple articles and I gave him an earful a little bit. I said, you know what? I know. The value of composition is compositions is really high right now, but just let's just think about this before before you go and lose the rights. Um, mm-hmm. Because right now, especially for small time or small to mid time writers, uh, mid rather mid level writers that have some control of their catalog, whether you know, say they work with a small publisher or something, losing the rights just when when they're still touring and when this is all you know uh, you've probably watched some of the uh online 
bedroom concerts or something sure. or, or living right. room concerts, which mm-hmm. many of the artists are doing right now. This this is one of those artists. I said, just just wait, just wait. You've you still have some you still have some gas in the tank for when we pass all this. You can go out and tour some more. And he thanked me because I just I don't know. I I I still see the value in holding on to a catalog if you're granted if you've got enough money in the bank and sure. you can live off of stuff. So Right. It's kind of like the stock market, you know, right now it just sucks. But if you can stick it out, you know, you can get the quick buck if you want, but there's probably more in it. Uh just the more you wait. Oh. Um I remember uh, back before you worked for AdRev, but we worked together when you were at uh, Warner Chapel and we were doing some work for you and uh you know, there's some Led Zeppelin songs in there. And I'm like, hey, I'd love to work on these. Get to listen to Led Zeppelin uh, songs and watch Led Zeppelin videos all day. Sure. Sure. So I just, you know, I took charge and started claiming some videos. Uh, and then I think it was either you or somebody got back to me and they you said, hey, um, they don't want to monetize these. They, they want to block everything. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I've been trying to make these guys money. Um so point being is there, you know, there are still artists who are very protective of their work. I mean, huge That's ACDC right. fan, but it took them forever to get on these streaming sites. I think they just were waiting for the right price. It's, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing to think about, you, you know, I, I'll never be able to understand what it's like to be, you know, a legacy artist who will go down in music history. Hey, don't say uh, that. You don't well, come on. Say that. Uh, you know, it's a, you know, it's a young man's <laughs> young person's game, but the, the protecting of your rights, I totally get. But then to just say, you know what? Screw it. Let's just sell it. I don't know. That'd be hard for me. Yeah. I, I have a hard enough time writing, you know, a four minute ambient piece and then having someone, you know, want to do a pub split or something or, or even sure. co-writing. I'm, it's like my baby. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. want anyone to come in here and ruin this, <laughs> <laughs> even though they'd probably help. This is my house. I mean, in Nashville, I was, Nashville's known as the songwriter's town, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, granted, I was in a rock band there, but you'd have people coming up to you all the time. Hey, I'd love to write with you guys. And I was always like, screw you. No, thanks. <laughs> if I could go back in time, I would definitely change. <laughs> and it was my, uh, Chris Stapleton that. Uh, that it was just, that, just other, you know, like indie artists or whatever, which I feel like is a perfect segue to what I wanted to talk about is are you a music snob are we music snobs uh i have my fair share of running into music snobs Mm -hmm. but i was thinking about this uh just because my musical tastes have expanded you know the older you get there's there's two parts to it the older you get the more music you can kind of accept and understand i think also being a musician and a creative type it's nice to hear someone else creating something and you, I think you understand it more. You understand the process. So you listen to it with a different aspect. Hopefully. Um, yeah. Hopefully. But then, you know, too, the, like I said a while ago, the older I get, the more I don't care what people think about my music tastes. Uh, I think that's common. The older you get. <laughs> right. It's kind of like the, I don't, I don't, you know, give a crap kind of mentality, the older you get. <laughs> um, but I remember back like late high school, pretty much all through college maybe even a little bit after college, I was 
I don't want to consider myself a snob. I just was very stubborn in what I would listen to. I didn't really expand my horizons. Well, until- I think you were discovering probably. I think probably maybe it was because you were like discovering what you wanted to get dialed into. Maybe. I mean, I was just I was just stuck in like one genre and one kind of feel. Um and then, you know, a lot of people go through their, uh, their they expand their minds in college, right? Mm-hmm. When you get to college, that's when all, you, you start listening to, you know. You become a free thinker. Pennywise, all these, you know, any <laughs> rock bands or artists that you've never heard of. Um, I've always been a late bloomer. Always been a late bloomer when it comes to this stuff. Remember Samba, the shoe, Samba shoe? Like the, the Samba yes, shoes? Yes, I do. Those are really hot in high school i went i graduated high school in 98 and it was my gosh, sweet year it was a sweet year i think it was my my junior year sambas had already run their course but for whatever reason i was like you know i'm gonna get a pair and i remember coming to school I'm bringing them back and Teresa marcelino remember her of course she, she like <laughs> she made so much fun of me. she's like she's like would you go back in time and find some shoes <laughs> so anyway I've always been a late bloomer to this stuff. Um, so I feel like I didn't really expand my mind until, you know, people can say what they want about, you know, certain streaming services and, um, you know, there's pros and cons, but the, you know, as far as a music discovery tool, holy crap, man. I mean, yeah, I would just, you know, like, okay, I like this band. I can start a radio station that has music that sounds similar through algorithms or whatever. And you discover so much and I'm sitting here liking every song that's coming through. And I follow those bands and then I do a radio station based on that band. So that's, that's, it's a beautiful thing. I don't, I don't think I consider myself a music snob. I think everyone has their tastes, um, but it's when you become stubborn. So back in college, I was in a really, I got to be careful because they might be listening. I was in a band. (laughs) I was in a band in college. I was a lead singer. I wrote all the lyrics. Let's just say I wasn't the greatest. So (laughs) I'll take the blame. Um, We were, we were good. You weren't the greatest songwriter. You weren't the greatest singer. Both. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, but we, you know, in this small college town, we, we were doing it. We were touring, we signed a record deal. Um, but you know, when we were starting out, you just play every gig that was handed to you. Yeah. And I remember one time we played at the uh college coffee shop in our band it's to kind venue. of describe it. Huge venue. Huge. Uh we were like a mix between foo fighters, funk, spin doctors, uh and Red Hot Chili Peppers is like this hodgepodge. So like a song would have like hodgepodge this four, four, 90s. Yeah. I have this like, just like four to the floor kind of thing. And then it would go to like this, uh, you know, like almost like a reggae, like everything's on the upbeat. <laughs> like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> anyway, we decided to be, we were trying to be like really, you know, tongue in cheek. And we covered Britney Spears, Hit Me Baby One More Time, like a rock song. That will I mean, that goes well in a coffee shop. That, no. Oh yeah. yeah everyone yeah. loved it. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> everyone especially these two guys who I was kind of acquaintances with. It was who, a full house, two guys. Right. <laughs> one guy one guy decided to let me know what he thought right then and there after the show. He's like, that was a horrible idea. <laughs> that was god awful. The second guy, he was at the, the cafeteria the next day. 
And he said, Hey, I was at your show last night thinking, all right, cool. You know, got a new fan. Sweet. Like, man, that he's like, you guys shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but the thing is, these two dudes were so in they again, talk about being stubborn and only listening to like sure. one type of music. Sure. They were huge into U2 and Radiohead. Great bands. Don't get right. me wrong. Right. But for years, I cannot listen to those bands because of these two jerks. And That's so, the, it's the impression. It has nothing. To, no, okay. All right. So just, I'm going to debunk your theory. I'm going to debunk your theory. I am the okay. same way with artists when it's like, it's the impression of that artist that sticks with you. It's that like five they're second listener, moment. They're fan base. They're fan base. They suck. I'm not going to listen to them. Never. Yeah. And that's and that'll hold you off until until that you find that weird moment where you're driving down the road in somebody else's car and they've got control of the radio and they're like, "We're listening to you too. This is my cassette or this is my CD." Or do people mm-hmm. put cassettes or CDs in cars? Cassettes are problem? coming back. Cassettes are coming back. <laughs> apparently, I don't know why, but you know who's got a cassette player? I'm the same. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Bad a bad experience, a bad moment, and then. That's it. I've 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 cast off that band. I'll never listen probably for decades. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it took me almost I'd say a decade and a half to start listening to Radiohead again. And like, all right, this is great. <laughs> but it's like it's like a bad breakup. You can't you can't watch that movie or you can't mm-hmm. go to that place that you went to for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um because it just hurts and it makes you think about that person and when you know you're over it when you can finally go back. That's true. Or you can finally listen to that song. I'm like, I'm over it. Even though I'm sitting here getting all heated, I'm sweating now. Uh, but anyway, music snobbery. I think we're all a little bit of a snob. Just a little so. bit. Just I think everybody's a little. Just maybe it's, we, you can define it as everyone has their very distinct taste. Well, thank you for hanging in there for another episode. <laughs> Try to keep it at 30 minutes. Um <laughs> And I mean, I could keep going again. It's like I every know. time these things this end, is a I'm, good like, one. I'm just getting, I'm just getting started. Yeah, getting this fired is a up. good one. I love to keep going. Um, and this catalog thing, you know, I'm sure we'll see where it goes. It man. Is, well, it, it, watch tomorrow. There'll be like uh, a, an article about another big catalog or another writer selling. Yeah, AT and T bought Disney Music. It's yeah, just something's going to happen. <laughs> be crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So until next time. Try not to be a snob. Try to enjoy music. And don't let anybody tell you that your musical tastes suck. Because they're your mu- that's your music. That's the music you like and enjoy that's it. Right. That's right. So, anyway, thank you for, again for listening. This is Sonic Inducers, presented by AdRev, and we'll see you on the next one.